so when I tell students or friends that like you need to build in white space, it is to stop all of the things. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. Sabrina, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Maddie. I'm so glad to be here. I am so pumped to kind of reconnect. So Sabrina and I met at the Reset Conference. I've had a few guests now who I've met at the Reset Conference, which is so fun. And um, to start out, Sabrina, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, I am a family lifestyle photographer in Fort Worth, Texas. I have been in business 11 years now this year. Um, And for the past six, I've been diving into the education side of things as one naturally does, uh, you know, as they kind of get years under their belt. So that started off as just mentoring. And then in the past two years, I've created a course and I'm speaking at conferences and I have a mastermind and a membership and all the things. So awesome. So like you said, it's kind of a natural, um, it's something that once you've been in business for a while, it's kind of that natural flow to get into education. What was it for you that piqued your interest in going into education? So honestly, I pushed back on it for a really long time, uh, just because, you know, imposter syndrome. And I was like, I can't be an educator. I don't have anything to teach people. Um, But honestly, the universe kept putting people in my ear and I kept getting DMs and I kept, hey, will you mentor me? Hey, And so I finally was like, you know what, let's just see what happens. I'll say yes to a couple of people, the next couple of people that come into my inbox. And um, I did that. And honestly, I had no plan in place. I had no, I was just kind of like, hey, let's do this. And um, I loved it. And I have never been one, like I didn't want to be a teacher growing up. I don't really love being around a ton of kids, but photographers aren't kids. And so I kind of had my brain wrapped around like, this is what teaching looks like. And so I pushed really hard against wanting to do it. But now I realize, man, I love teaching. And as I began to mentor more and more photographers, I kind of found where my uh, niche was and like what I have to teach people. And that has continually changed a little bit over the years. You know, I'm honing in a little bit more and I'm realizing I have more to say in different areas. And it's, it's a learning process, but, um, I am continually surprised at how much I love it. I can relate to that so much. I have a lot of friends and family members who are teachers and the thought has always utterly overwhelmed me. Like I'll see friends, you know, working on lesson plans or sub plans or something. And I'm like, Oh my God, like that I can feel that in my chest. That gives me anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and yet when it's teaching other adults and teaching something that you love and understanding the impact that it can have, I'm like, okay, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there are some educators in our industry that do come from that teaching background and their teaching style. Like you can tell they have like an education in education. Um, and part of me envies that a little bit, cause I'm more of a, like, Hey, we're learning as we go and I'm teaching you based on my life experience, but there's a place for all of us in the education space. So I think that that's the most amazing thing that people do start to realize once they get started with mentoring is that 
it's not necessarily bringing new information to the table. It's the fact that the way that you say it and the way that you present it might hit somebody a little bit different. And I think that we've all experienced that growing up, right? Like you have teachers that could teach essentially the same thing, but you've got that one teacher who just does it a little bit differently and you connect with that person and it's different for everybody. Yeah. And honestly, it's the same thing as finding clients to hire you. I mean, you connect with different people in different ways. Like there are thousands of us that can take family photos, but you get hired based on the connection points. I mean, it's the same, it's the same thing. So totally. So you talked a little bit about how you've been refining your niche over the years and what people kind of come to you for, what that little brand of magic is for you. What do you really like to teach about? So I love to teach all of the business of photography. And that really does come from, I have a corporate background and I genuinely love business. Uh, I was a jewelry buyer in a past life and I really did love that. And before I had kids, I never thought I would quit, never thought I would leave, had the greatest job in the world, loved numbers and analytics and planning and just all of that. And it's funny because when I started my photography business, I didn't use any of that knowledge. I literally was like, Taking photos is fun. I can do it's it for dollars. I, I just, people are paying me to play. I mean, it was so stupid. And <laughs> it literally took me a couple of years of running straight into the hole of burnout to realize, okay, back up. You actually know how to run a successful large business. So you could totally apply that to your tiny little solopreneur business. And so it was kind of taking a pause, hiring some uh, mentors myself, taking what I knew about planning and running things well and putting it together. And it was almost like a, I didn't really pivot what I was doing as far as who I was photographing, who I was serving, but there is a very obvious before and after of my business. I mean, a huge pivot in pricing and types of clientele and office hours and just the way that I was doing things. Uh, There's a very clear before and after when I really started to get serious. So that is what I love to teach. I love to teach creatives about the importance of planning and being intentional in your business because so many creatives don't, don't want to do that, don't think they can do that. They think automatically, well, I'm a creative. I like to just go with the flow. And that's great to a point. But my big thing that I teach on is like, planning will actually set you free to have more freedom you just have to lean into it and be willing to learn how to do it well. Absolutely. That's been a big realization for me because I tend to kind of, you know, butt up against the idea of having a planner or a schedule. Like 2021 was the first year since college that I kept a planner (laughs) the entire year. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) And I have told 15,000 people that story because I'm so proud of myself, Yeah, but I was exactly that person. I just didn't want the, the idea of having the same schedule every week. That was why I got into entrepreneurship because I didn't want that, you know? And yet the more that I have realized, okay, but I can have a rhythm. I can have a rhythm to my week. I can have a rhythm to my days. That's when things have really started to change for me. And it sounds like you had the the same experience. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've always been the type A planner person. So I, I have a lot of friends who are the creative. So I see that, but I don't fully understand what that feels like, but it's just trying to get them to come over to the other side. And I'm like, listen, I promise you 
you can put some systems in place, some boundaries in place, some rhythms in place that will actually give you more space to create. It will give you more time and energy and the brain space to just actually let yourself free. Um, and so that's what I teach any chance I get anybody that'll listen. <laughs> and that, that was why I wanted to chat with you today. The, the conversation, the talk that you gave at reset was all about creating white space in your business. And that was a big goal of mine for 2021. And, um, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, those of us who have been in business for a few years and, um, you're in a bit of, you're in a bit of a rhythm at this point and you're kind of like trying to figure out, okay, what can, what can we do to make this better? How can I grow? How can I scale? I think that for many of us, white space is the key. And yet we don't really know how to achieve that. Yeah. I think, um, so many entrepreneurs, we see the success and I'm going to use air quotes here. Nobody can see, but you air quotes around the word success. We see our success in how many sessions we have, how many meetings we have, dollar signs. And those are, you know, sure, there's some indicators of success, but um, there's so many, like, first of all, like creating your own definition of success, right? Like what is important to you? But um, teaching people that you have to give yourself time and space to breathe. And what that looks like is not cramming your schedule full and literally being intentional with, okay, on Wednesday or the first Monday of the month or whatever, I'm not putting anything there. And when I say not putting anything, not even like, I'm going to sit in my PJs and blog all day. No, no, no. Nothing is going there. Okay. And just giving yourself the physical white space in your day, physical white space in your calendar, not because somebody rescheduled, not because you're stuck homesick, but you intentionally planned for nothing. And letting your soul and your mind recover from all the stuff that we're carrying all the time. Mm -hmm. But the struggle is, as entrepreneurs, we're like planning for a day off without my kids, without my family, when I'm not on vacation, we struggle and push against that because that's, we think that's lost revenue. We think that's lost progress, lost momentum, right? But really giving yourself that downtime. And again, that time to rest, recover, rejuvenate, fill your spirit and however you feel the need to, that's what helps you work smarter and harder later. That's what helps you create better. That's what makes you a better person to work with. I mean, there are so many positive things that come out of forcing yourself to take downtime. I think we've all probably experienced taking time off air quotes, right, right. Um, taking a vacation or whatever, but like not really unplugging and not really stopping work and then coming right. back, going back to work and thinking, I don't feel refreshed at all. Like no. I am not ready to get back to it because we never really stopped working. Right. Right. It's like, I mean, how many, you know, if we're going to talk about the photography space, how many female photographers are moms, have other jobs, volunteer, run a home? I mean, we don't ever stop. And so when I tell students or friends that like you need to build in white space, it is to stop all of the things. Like, I want you to have this time where you're not with your kids, you're not cleaning your house, you're not running errands, you're not doing anything other than feeding yourself as a human, not as a mom, not as a wife, not as a friend, not as a, just as yourself. Um, 
like we have to keep that cup full because we are constantly drained. And like you said, we don't ever feel refreshed because we are always going. The, the running list in our head is, is nonstop, you know? Um, and so it's just giving us that time to take, take a beat. And the key is intentionally planning for that time intentionally planning to give yourself that time on a regular basis too. So when you work with a client who needs to do this, but is really struggling because they've never done it before, they've never allowed that white space before, what do you tell them? What's their first step? Yeah. So I want them to start small. I want them to get a quick win. So a couple of hours. Um, And what that's going to look like as, you know, pick a day in the next few weeks where you can block off a couple of hours. It needs to be when you have childcare. It needs to be when your spouse is not home. It needs to be when you know that you don't have a deadline or something that's going to be, you know, pulling you in another direction. But literally, I quite literally take a red Sharpie to my planner and I block it off and then I write white space in it. And that's kind of to save myself from myself. so that I don't try and slide other things in there. And the key, the, what I tell them as far as how to actually do it. So to plan that time off, then when they get to that day, it's gonna be really easy to the day before kind of see like, oh, I've got this chunk of time on my calendar. What am I gonna fill that with? You have to like stop yourself. You're not gonna fill that with anything. Let it be empty. And then wake up on the day of, let's say it's Thursday, wake up Thursday morning. What do you need? What do you need from yourself? Do you want to go take a spin class? Do you want to lay on the couch and read a book? Do you want to get back in bed after you've taken the kids to school? Do you want to have a last minute coffee date with a friend? Like it needs to be day of deciding and not deciding what your business needs, not what client needs to hear from you, not what errands that you need to catch up on. What do you need? And the other thing I tell people is to expect to feel really uncomfortable because especially as a, and I'm raising my hand here, especially as an overdoer, an overworker, an Enneagram three, someone who likes to stay busy. When I started this practice, I was physically uncomfortable. I literally told my best friend the day before, I'm like, you are going to have to like ping me in Voxer to make sure that I am not getting up and bebopping around and doing things that you know I'm going to try and do. And it was physically, I mean, I literally, it was like an internal battle. Okay. But it was doing it just to start getting in the rhythm of doing it. And it got easier each time I did it. And now, obviously, I look forward to it. I love it. I know what it's going to do for me later. Um, But it's a practice you have to get used to. Kind of like if you want to start getting into meditation, that's real hard at first. You know, I mean, that is really hard. And this is the same kind of thing. So blocking off the time intentionally, not putting anything in there, not even like a nail appointment, not even something that feels relaxing. Because if you have an appointment in your mind, you have somewhere to be, you have to get ready for something like it takes away from the from the rest, right? You can decide on the morning up to go to get your nails done. I just don't want you to have it planned ahead of time. I want you to really lean into like, what do you need that day? So, and then expecting it to be hard. I really like the idea of waking up in the morning and asking yourself, what do you need that day? Like, I think that one of the best things we can do as business owners and just as humans is to get really tap into our intuition 
And that is so challenging for so many of us. And certainly when you first start doing it and that practice of just simply asking yourself, like, what do I, like you said, not my clients, not my kids, not my husband, what do I need today? That's really powerful. I think so too. And this is something that the more you do it and the more you get in a rhythm of it, it will feed you in ways you didn't even know. Uh, And this goes back to being intentional with your time helps your creativity explode. I mean, the ideas that you will come up with, the things that you will learn you like to do, um, the way you treat yourself and talk to yourself on a day-to-day basis, all of those things are positive things that are going to happen when you start to give yourself this time and space to breathe on a regular basis. So I love the idea of doing this. So would you do this monthly? I like to try people to do it weekly, Uh, but not a whole day, not a whole day. I know that's a lot. We've got a lot, but if you can give yourself two or three hours a week um, in one chunk of time, that's great. Uh, I will say there's also a fluidity to it. After you start to feel this rhythm, you'll know what you need. You'll Mm -hmm. know if you can get away with two days a month, or maybe in the beginning, you're so overwhelmed and burned out that you need more than that just to kind of unpack things a little bit. Um, giving yourself the grace and the fluidity to come up with what works best for you. I try and do a few hours every week, but there are some months where there is so much going on, like this month for me is just jam-packed. So instead of a few hours every week, I have two full days, like literally Mm. eight hours. So it's, it's not as frequent, but it's more time to just really like relax and lean into not having anything to do. Um, so kind of learning how to serve yourself. Mm -hmm. I like that flexibility. Yeah. I think a lot of creatives get into that cycle of burnout. So maybe we'll set a day aside or we'll, we'll go on vacation, you know, once every six months or once a year or something like that. But then the day to day is where we tend to get really bogged down and have a just utter lack of boundaries to create that feeling of white space on a more regular basis. And I love how you have set up your days and your weeks and the boundaries that you have with clients. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I have learned, uh, like you said, I have to save myself from myself. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I generally used the first quarter of a year when things are on the quiet side to kind of intentionally plan out what the rest of my year is going to look like. And I set up boundaries, not only for clients, but for myself. Uh, Cause I know, I know what mindset I'm going to get into when things are rocking and rolling in October. Right. And so I am so strict with how many sessions I allow myself to take because that is the number one thing. It, it only takes one too many sessions to push you over the edge uh, to where you are miserable. And so I'm always telling people like, there's no amount of money that's worth that. None yeah. whatsoever. Um, so I am really firm in the amount of sessions I take and what that looks like month to month. Um, I also love to set aside full days to plan out like content creation. I like to get to focus on one thing at a time. As much as I'm an Enneagram three and I try to think I can multitask, I know that I do that very poorly. Um, And so I will literally spend a whole day a month just blogging, just blogging as many posts as I can. I'll spend one day a month planning out social media as as far in the future as I can get. Um, I like to really double down on one thing at a time. And then when I do have big days of like shooting events, whether it be a big commercial job or a big mini session day or whatever, 
I will not shoot for the following week um, because I know that mentally I'm going to be fried and I'm going to have a ton of images to call through. And it's just, you know, I'm going to build in a little bit more space to kind of get caught up on the rest of my life. Um, other than that, as far as traveling with clients or for um, conferences and stuff, I always build in a couple of days afterwards because you know how that goes. You come home either from a trip with your family or from a conference or a workshop. And it's like laundry and mental detox and just kind of, I mean, it's like super overwhelmed, the reentry process. So I always build in a few days in my calendar to recover from that. And when you hear me saying all this, you're probably like, wow, Serena, you, there's a whole lot of days you block off and you don't work in a year. And it really does look like that to the general public. I mean, it really does look like two sessions a week and then you've got all this other time blocked off. And that's true. But I have learned in 11 years of doing business how much I can handle and still really serve my clients with excellence and also, you know, create educational content and chat with industry friends on a podcast and do all these other things I'm doing and still be a good human and still be a good mom to my kids and still have friendships outside of the industry, you know, and I feel like little baby photographers, you know, the first three years of business, that's what they don't do. They think they yeah. need to be working all the time and working with air quotes is shooting. Yep. And you don't realize like, it's okay to shoot four sessions a month or less. I mean, it find what your capacity is and lean into it, you know, that's and allowing your, and allowing yourself, if you shoot one session a week and that's your capacity, great then do it well and lean into it because it's your business and it's your definition of success. You don't have to do what she's doing or what he's doing over here. You know, um, these photographers that shoot, you know, seven days a week and all this, I'm like that. Great. If you're doing that well and you're happy, great for you. But I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with saying that I can't do that. So. I think I would assume that people listening to this are especially in the first few years of having a photography business would be thinking, well, that's great. I would love to shoot four sessions a month, or I would love to shoot less than what I'm doing now, but how is that possible? How can I still make what I want to make and all of those things? And I think, um, you and I can say with confidence after having been in business 10 plus years, it is absolutely possible to create a pricing structure around this kind of business. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Because, and the, and the other thing is, you know, the longer you're in business, there are other ways to make money that you can add on or that you can build in or cutting your expenses. I mean, money and the financial success you have is not simply number of sessions that, I mean, there is so much more that goes into that, uh, that people don't realize. So if you have been in business for, you know, one, two or three years, First of all, you probably have never raised your prices, so it's time to it's time to hit double, okay? Or if not more. Um, and if you've never, if you don't think your work warrants that, then invest in the money to go work with somebody who can teach you to be a better photographer, so that your work does warrant that, right? Um, if you're still not shooting a manual, or you feel like you never learned to edit correctly, or whatever it is, wherever that disconnect is invest in education and learn to do it the way you want to do it so that you do have the cohesive body of work and uh, whatever it is you're looking for. But people get stuck on 
well, I can't charge that because they're not charging that. And oh my gosh, how many times and how many ways can we say that? Like, it doesn't matter what they charge. Like stay, stay in your own lane. This is your business. People will pay your rates. I, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I know we could talk about right. that for hours. <laughs> yes, so true. I think oftentimes people who are newer to the business, they see when, when other photographers, you know, cause we spend way too much time looking at what other people are doing as humans. That's how it sure. goes. Um, but looking at other photographers and when they say, well, I'm booked out or I'm booked until such and such a date or whatever. And you start to get that imposter syndrome of like, well, I'm not booked out yet, or I'm not booked until, until June. And what you may not know, especially if that person has been in business for a bit is that maybe they're booked until June because they take two sessions a month, you know, and we tend to equate success with being busy. shooting and being away from our house and having a full calendar. And the reality is that is just the quickest way to burnout. I've experienced that, you know, just more, more, more. And you're exactly right. There's ways to get creative, make money in different ways, or make money a bit more passively or diversify the different things that you offer, increase your prices, cut your expenses. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to take more clients. Yeah. And I mean, I know we've all heard like quality over quantity, but it's true with clients too. I mean, if you are shooting, you know, 30 sessions a month, cool. But do you really love every single one of those experiences there? I'm sorry, there's no way. There's just, there's no way. And I would rather work with the six, eight, 10 clients a month that light me up, who I absolutely have learned to love as friends. And, you know, I would rather work with them over and over again than leave some of the sessions just like wanting to poke my eyes out because we weren't a good fit. But technically, I put you in my schedule. And, you know, I mean, there's so much to be said for really just charging what you need to make for your family, for your business and letting the right people come to you um, so that it is a win-win experience for both of you. Because that leads to burnout too. Dealing with the clients that you're not a good fit for um, or that are super needy or that want the things that you're not really good at but you're trying to do anyways, that is part of the burnout puzzle. It's not just the overwork, it's who you're spending your time with and who is making you miserable. I mean, we didn't sign up to be entrepreneurs to be miserable all the time. If you are miserable all the time, then it's time to have a real heart to heart with yourself or get a friend to do it with you. Because if you are not overall, not all the time, but if you are not overall loving what you do and the way your business is running, it is time to make a change or shut it down because, Mm -hmm. because what are you doing? You know? So there's some crazy statistic about how many businesses survive past like year five and year 10. It's it's nothing. I mean, there are so few businesses that make it certainly to year 10. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because of that incredible burnout. It's not necessarily not having enough clients or not making enough money, although I'm sure that's some of it, but it's getting to that point. And realizing, okay, I've done this for the past however many years. And do I want to continue right another 10 years, you know, and if you're from, you know, a photography perspective, if you're shooting two to four clients a month, or like you said, whatever that happy place is for you, 
that's a lot easier to look ahead to 10 years from now and say, I could do this for another five or 10 years, as opposed to 30 sessions a month, you know, that's not sustainable. Right. So, and that's where I think creating intentional plans in your business is so valuable. I spend so much time at the beginning of every year, literally planning out my whole year. Caveat, will I stick to those? No, probably not. But I've thought through some ideas and some goals and whatever, because I am intentionally driving this bus. Okay. I know where I want to be at the end of this year and next year and the next year. And so many newer creative entrepreneurs are literally flying by the seat of their pants. They are in reactionary mode. They are, you know, driving their business from a place of fear um, and scarcity instead of staying ahead of the curve and putting intentional plans in place and leaning into growth. And I also think there's a part of them, not only is there fear in what they're charging and fear in setting their own business boundaries or creating a business that they want instead of what they see everybody else doing, there's fear there. But I think there's also fear in being afraid to pivot. You know what I mean? Like, so many photographers start out as X and then they are miserable, but they feel like, well, I've been doing that for so long and that's what I've said I'm doing. So, I mean, I guess I'm doing this. Um, and that's the beauty of being a creative entrepreneur is like, you can pivot when you want. Ta-da! <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you know this, you've done a huge pivot in your business and so many of us have. It's okay to start off with this and then to change and then to change again. It's your business, you're in charge. Yeah. I, I work with a lot of clients who are at a stage where they're frustrated because they're not really sure what their niche is yet. And I get it. I mean, I was there not long ago mm-hmm. and I just, I, I want to like hold their hand and be like, stay the course and, you know, feel free to kind of pivot and move as you see fit. Because there was a time that I thought I was good. There was a time that I did specialize in seniors. And there was a time that I was pursuing newborn photography. I've done every piece of it, you know, and I never would have guessed even, even probably four years ago that I would be in the arena that I'm in today. Like I never would have guessed that, but I kind of just kept pivoting a little bit to what felt good at the time. And those, you know, tiny micro movements over the years get you to where you need to be. And it, it can be really frustrating in the beginning or in the middle of it, but that pivoting and just kind of going where it feels good and following your intuition. That's how you get to the place where you're like, Oh, I get it now. Like I understand everything that happened. And you can take all of that back to having white space, because if you don't have that time to lean into opportunities that come along and to think about new ideas and to test the waters over here, if you don't have that time built in and you are literally just like, shooting and burning every day, constantly doing the same thing, you will get stuck in a rut because you totally. have not given yourself any time to try anything new or to lean into where the universe is really wanting you to go. And then you are going to be miserable. Absolutely. So before we say goodbye, I want to just like real quick, go through some other boundaries that you have in your business that maybe some listeners can get started with. If they're still, th- if they're thinking, okay, this sounds great. I definitely need this white space in my business what are some little things that I can do? So tell me 
the other little things you have in your business, whether that's autoresponders or you mentioned boundaries around how many sessions you take or white space when you get back from traveling, all of that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So obviously, um, I'm a huge believer in the calendar and the planning and intentionally how many sessions I take, what my week looks like. Um, I try and like we're we're chatting via Zoom right now. I try and do all my Zooms in a couple of days, which that's a new thing in the past couple of years, because you know. Before 2020, Zoom yeah. wasn't really a thing. Um, so that's a new boundary that I have because I know if I want to be camera ready, that these are the days I'm going to stack all my Zoom meetings. And so building in white space in my calendar, the number of sessions I take, which for me, if anybody's curious, I am happiest with six to eight a month. Mm -hmm. uh, that is my little happy place. Doesn't have to be yours. That's where I feel I am creatively still moving. I'm not bored. Um, but that I have enough time to manage all of the other parts of my business. And I will oh. say, go ahead. So how did you find that number? That is totally trial and error. Okay. And depending on your season of life. So this is the first year that I have all three of my kids in school all day. I have a kindergartner all the way through an eighth grader. And so I have more time than somebody who still has preschoolers at home. Okay. Or has, is still having babies. But what I like to tell students how to figure that out um, is to first, you've got to time track a client from start to finish. Mm -hmm. So and it's really kind of a tedious process the first time you do it. But you have to do that because we're all just guessing. We're all just like, totally. oh, you know, so you really do need to like religiously time track somebody from inquiry all the way through gallery delivered blog post, like the whole thing, every single minute you spend on that client emailing, texting, driving to the session, shooting the session, calling the session, editing the session, blogging, social media, the whole thing. So then you're going to have this hour amount dedicated to whatever session type you have. Um, you know, so a family photographer, it's probably seven hours, okay, give or take, depending on if you're outsourcing your editing and, you know, various uh, factors. But that's the number you need to be looking at as far as what can you handle how many of them can you handle in a week or a month? Uh, and it should for sure be correlated to your childcare if you are a mom. And I don't mean your spouse being childcare. I mean daycare or a sitter, okay? Um, and so that's the number. And that's what's really eye-opening to people. Because if you're spending seven hours, give or take, with a client, and you only have childcare for six hours a week, you shouldn't be shooting more than once a week. You're trying to do too much. So um, that's kind of a rough way that you can figure mm -hmm. out what you can handle. But I also tell my students to lean into what it feels like. That's where the trial and error comes, right? Figure out what that time amount is. Spend a month, give or take, with that number of sessions and see how you feel. Mm -hmm. Do you feel you, like you still have creative freedom and you're balancing your personal life well and everything's great? Or is it too much? Or is it too little? Are you bored? You know, and so kind of leaning into that and it's there's a lot of trial and error, but you'll get to that sweet spot to where you're creatively inspired. You feel like you're still handling everything in your business well and you're good human outside of your business. So I have boundaries on that. And then I am a huge fan of um, batch batching anything that can be batched, batching social media, batching reels, batching blog posts. And uh, I do that. Like I said, I will set aside batch days um, every month for all the things because 
I need to close down all the tabs. I need to put yes. my earbuds in. I need to like put my phone on do not disturb and go down the blogging hole. Because once I start writing, I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm writing and I can, you know, bang out two months worth of content in a day. Um, same with, you know, social media or whatever. So that works really well for me. And then all of the canned emails, all of the responses. I Love mean, that. canned emails. One of the things that I set up a couple years ago that has been huge for me, again, going with the theme of saving myself from myself, is I have a canned email that says, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not available, blah, blah, blah. And I have a uh, hidden page on my website for referrals, and it links out all the people I refer for different kinds of sessions. So if you need a family photographer, try these ladies. If you need this, try this. And so I just send people the link and I don't even give myself time to personalize the email or anything. Cause I know that if I start doing that, I'm going to look at my calendar and try to fit people in. So it's literally just attach the canned email, hit send. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. It's, it's been huge because I know, especially, you know, if they sound really great and you try and bend the rules, but like I said, one too many and your whole life is feels like it's falling apart and you're dropping all of the balls that you've been juggling and it's just too much. So it's not yeah. worth it. You're exactly right. I loved what you said earlier about it's, it takes one session, like one session too many a month. Yeah, and it, it really and I've, ex, I've experienced that, especially recently as I'm, I, I did a really big uh, price change last year. And so after that, it was kind of, okay, these sessions are a bit more time invasive. I want to work with fewer people. What really is my new sweet spot? Because yeah. it will change as your business changes. That sweet spot's going to change too. And I will, I have totally had months where I'm like, well, it, that was not the sweet spot. <laughs> right. Right. And, and that goes back to like giving yourself the grace to pivot and to say, you know what, that was the wrong choice. Now we're going to go this direction. We're going to do two less or, you know, whatever the new number is that you're going to try out. But allowing yourself to try something and to fail at it and to just move on, you know, and try something else. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Um, the last thing I'll say about boundaries, and I literally do this. So I talked earlier about taking a red Sharpie for white space. I literally, I'm, I'm a visual person. I have to have it that way in my planner. I do the same things when I hit capacity with sessions. This time I use a hot pink Sharpie, <laughs> but literally when I have hit capacity for that week, I take a huge line. I take the Sharpie and I write a huge line and it says booked across it so that when I'm trying to fill a client for availability, I'm, I have trained myself to flip through my calendar until there's a week that does not have that big hot pink line across it. Uh, and that's just a super janky system, but that's what works for me. And I have learned that stay away from the hot pink lines, stay away from the red Sharpies <laughs> days available. Um, so for me, a lot of my boundaries come down to scheduling and knowing what capacities work well for me and how I can best utilize my time. I love that. I think, I think many of us are visual and I do something similar with my calendar because there is, there's something different about seeing it. Like yes. if I see on my calendar, all the sessions that I have and the areas that are crossed off, like it's a feeling like I can look at that and be like, okay, I can't add anything yes. else because I can feel that that is like too much. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think some of that just comes with time and experience yeah. and probably because we have been in business so long and we have been through seasons of burnout. It's almost like a triggering, like PTSD. No, 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 no that's too much. <laughs> so 
Absolutely. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for joining me today. I knew that you would have such good tips for us to just put into use right away and you did not disappoint. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, where can everyone find you online? Yep. So uh, I am sabrinagebhart.com, which I'm sure Maddie will have a link in the show notes. Um, I have tons of free education stuff on my site if you are a photographer. And I spend a lot of time on Instagram, which is just Sabrina Gebhart Photography is my handle. I actually go live every Thursday doing Q&A, like business Q&A. So that's a great place to come come hang out if we've never met before. So come ask your questions and it's it's a good time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sabrina. Thanks, Maddie. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.